Visit us at podlanderpresents.com to find information on all of our shows. Oh, I had the fan instead of the can. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Beer Mosa Day today. We fancy. Well, you know what? We deserve it. It's the end of the first half of season seven. Celebrate. Um, Julie. Yeah. I want you to describe what was for me the most surprising moment of season seven, episode eight of Outlander. Okay. Which is the moment that we saw a boat and you were like, it's time for a boat. (laughs) I know I'm letting my fans down, but, (laughs) but we do, we, I knew they had to get back to Scotland I'm ready to get past the Revolutionary War stuff, so I'm like, fine, 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 boat. Let's boat it up. I've got some bad news for you. We're coming back to the Revolutionary War, I mean, I'm sure. It, it took kind of a while, Julie. I don't know if you know this. I know it was a long time, but by the time they were... Hamilton is three hours long. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Podlander Drugcast and Outlander Podcast. I'm Allison. I'm Julie. Uh, and the Revolutionary War was at least three hours long. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Listen, I'm just saying I want to be in the room where it happens, okay? <laughs> so wait. So the, the one time we did get a helpful time card this time, second battle of Saratoga, was that... It said 17. Set, set, 17, <laughs> 77. 1777. And... Second battle of Saratoga. Fourth of July happens when? Do you mean sometime? 1780. I don't know. I think at the beginning... was 1776. Oh, look, I don't it? even know American history. Look at me and Claire both being dum-dums. I know. We're like Benedict Arnold. Um... <laughs> Well, let's see. Um, what was the date that William's cousin puked on the Declaration of Independence? Oh, yeah. When they were in that town before he... Yeah. I think we can assume that was... Because this, presumably it was pre- like post-creation, so printed, distributed, but distrib- what distributed. But then, you know, they had to have time for Jamie to give his thoughts on the font and like Right, so we're going to say autumn or winter of 1776, so probably about a year before the Second Battle of yes, Saratoga. Yes, of 17. Se- Seven, se- 1776. Mm-hmm. Um, someday Julie's going to see Hamilton, guys. But seriously. Ooh, I, Julie watched Hamilton for, between the seasons of Outlander Challenge. Mm, no. Please? I don't want to. But listen, David Diggs is very hot. He is very hot. I agree with and that. And he like, jumps off tables and things, and it's great for thighs. <laughs> Maybe. If Neil is out of the house and I am looking for something to watch. But with me. But with me. Oh, okay. Sure. We could even do we could even do Julie watches Hamilton on Crowdcast. Oh my god, <laughs> three hours that seems beyond the bounds of taste. We could we could do it in we could do it in parts. We could do Act One and then Act Two on a later date. All right. Okay, I'm Guys, actually looking I've up the Wikipedia. I've been trying to make this happen since 2016. <laughs> and guess where you are right now? The Making room it. where it happens. I'm in the room where it happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. So here we go. September the 3rd, 1783. Jesus balls. That's another six years after that second battle of Saratoga. So you're right. I'm going to have to just fucking Listen, we haven't even had another George Washington appearance. That's true. Benedict Arnold hasn't made the swap yet. I'm just saying, I'm just... I know it takes a lot of time, but let's do other things. Takes time (laughs) to heal and hurt so much. All right. Today's episode the mid-season finale of season seven, Outlander season seven, titled 
Turning Points. Turning Points, uh, written by Luke Schellhaas and directed by Joss Agnew. Um, Luke Schellhaas has for sure written for Outlander before. Let's consult the internet. Um, I know he's also writing at least one episode in season 7B. Ooh, he was also a producer on The Good Wife. Oh, nice. That is for multiple seasons. All right, so the writer Hold did... On, we're doing... Is that the writer, Luke, say his name again? Luke Shellhaas. Luke Shellhaas. Okay, so he wrote, in addition to this bad boy, um, season three, episode 10, Heaven and Earth. Season three, episode 12, The Bakra. Oh. That's a banger. Yeah, that was a banger. Uh, Season four, Wilmington and the Deep Hearts Core. Um, season, ooh, season five, Between Two Fires, um, <clears throat> and Free Will. Season six, Hour of the Wolf, and I Am Not Alone, which is the finale. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Hour of the Wolf is episode four. In my head, I'm going, it is the season of the witch, but Hour <laughs> of the Wolf. <laughs> I don't remember what happened in that one. Let's consult. Well, I was so obsessed with season six, episode six. I was hoping you were going to say that one. Uh, but anyway, they uh, Lucas did a great oh, job here. It's um, it's Ian's uh, flashback episode. Oh yeah, so it's a good one. That's that another doozy. Well written. Yes, this episode had a metric fuck ton of hot piss, and you know we like that. We do. We really do. Yes, we like it in the show. We like it <laughs> on our pillow. I don't know. <laughs> I was trying to make something happen. I don't think it happened. Let's see. Joss Agnew here. Director. Yes. Director. Um, oh, that's these are his first two. So he also Ooh. directed last week's. Mm-hmm. And then this doozy. I got to say, we'll do a season wrap-up episode, so I don't want to dwell too much. But I think the direction this season, with one exception, which I got to admit, screams producer interference. Mm-hmm. Because it's just the beginning of the episode and then nothing else is like it. Excellent. Yeah. Like the cinematography, excellent. Really thoughtful staging, really thoughtful camera choices, like who we're focusing on and when and for how long. I don't know that the, see, now I am talking about the season as a whole, but I don't know that this is my favorite season of Outlander so far. We are obviously both very high on season six and then seasons one and two are the tits and there Mm -hmm. are lots of, there are lots of things to admire in every season, but like. We were we are big Team Malva fans. We fucking loved that storyline. But this, I think, might be the most across-the-board uniformly well-made. Mm-hmm. Like, they're not over-egging the pudding musically. Yep. They're not... With the possible exception of the needle drop of In the Air Tonight. Which, wh- your mileage may vary. I know, it's I, a divided house, but it was a little... I don't know. I dug it. But... Um, I, I agree with your overall point. This Their the shape of everything this season has quiet, been great. Costuming quietly excellent. Not mm-hmm. we're we're not in France. There's nothing quite so flashy. Quietly excellent. The casting. Mm-hmm. Every like a lot of this episode is us going to be talking about how good people who had four to six lines were. Yeah. Fucking no whammies. Mm-hmm. Like no skips. Everybody straight killing it. Um. I, I just, I'm excited to talk about 7A as a whole. I'm excited for how it bodes for 7B. It feels um, mature. 
It mm-hmm. feels like there's been some growing up without abandoning the things that make Outlander Outlander, like Outlander's still going to Outlander, but there's more warmth, there's more hot piss, there's more um, elegance, and I don't mean that like in a season seven floating down a staircase kind of way, I mean like just really great composition, mm-hmm. like just purely aesthetically story to all of it. Um, I'm a big fan and I think this episode is a good culmination of that Mm -hmm. because I don't know that there was one scene, (laughs) no, there was one scene in this episode that did make us shout too, I guess. Um, but I don't know that there was anything as like, oh my God, our butts are falling out of our seats. I don't know where I was going with that Mm -hmm. as like, um, (laughs) Malva and Claire confrontation in season six. Right. Mm -mm. But just like across the board excellence is that is a rare thing. Mm-hmm. That's that's what you say about shit like Succession. Outlander is not Succession. Outlander is not fucking The Wire. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Outlander is is doing something different. But when it really gets down into the shit like this episode did with the one-on-one conversations that are so close and intimate and quiet, that's what we refer to as hot piss, obviously. It just makes the story more... Interesting. It helps the story grow. It helps the story feel a little bit more relatable, as relatable as a story about time travel can be. <laughs> right? I don't know. It's, it's, it's good. Um, and it's not pandering. No. You know what? Maybe they have been listening, Julie. Maybe. Like, well, when she said, when she said, I'll fucking kill you, go on, try me. I was like, they've fucking heard. Fucking try me. I will fucking kill try you. Me. Fucking try they me. They have definitely heard me say, try me on something. Because sure. I make that joke all the time. Try me. They, you know what, yeah. Madame Tenardier, you have reached the fuck around and find out level of the proceeding. Yeah. You don't know who you're dealing with. This family is steeped in blood. Yeah, this family. Like just the nothing Ma- but killers. The Macbeths have nothing on the the Beach and Mackenzie Frasers, okay? You know, you know what I'm saying? No, they like, do it's not. not. They do not. Um, the body count goes up. Um, the, the hesitance goes down. Yeah. Right? Like... I'm sorry, were you trying to grave rob my husband who's not actually dead, so then you were going to kill him so he's dead? Um, fuck around and find out. Yeah, try me. Fucking try me. I will murder your son with my bare hands. <laughs> she would have done That's what she said. I will strangle him. In front of you. Little fucking Gavroche. That's a fucking... It's the lamest. Good evening, dear. It's back to lovely evening, my dear. I'm going to murder this guy because he's lying on the ground. <laughs> my mommy took a portrait of his son who doesn't know he's his son. And she chucked it on the battlefield and now his wife's going to kill me. Ack. <laughs> so that's how it opened. Yeah. Um, and that's one of the two scenes I was referencing. That scene made me holler. Mm-hmm. Great. Great Claire shit. Mm-hmm. We love. I'm just gonna keep making Lamis jokes. Like the the mistress of the house was just walking around, robbing some graves. She's like, "Do what she had to do." Portrait. Fuck this portrait. Don't give it I'm shit. just trying to feed my kid human meat. And <laughs> <laughs> was the other scene that made us scream? Are you talking about the Benedict Arnold thing? No. Which one? Ray, Rachel and uh, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Rachel and Ian, come on, Kiss. dude! They almost did it. She almost straight up did it. You know it with what? Him. I think sometimes um, when you're watching, and I know technically Outlander is not a romance novel because it does not have a ha- happily ever after, and I know mm-hmm. all of that historical love story with time travel 
just, just call it whatever you want. Um, I don't always think that the, uh, if you touch me, I'm just going to bone you right here. So you can't touch me trope works. I don't think it's particularly easy to sell. I think most people, even if they're like, I have to fuck you right now, are at least a teeny tiny bit rational about life changing decisions when they're not wasted at least. And neither right. of those people appear to be drunk. Nope. But, but I it, totally bought it. It was real but close. But we're getting ahead of ourselves. Okay. 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 So, so let's do the thing where we split it into the plot lines. Yeah. Let's start with our um, 80s king and queen. Okay. And just get this out of the way. Because we don't see very much of it. No, we do not. Um, scene one, Roger and Buck come back. Well, f- first of all, reminder, fucking double barrel Cameron, what's his fuck, stole the baby, <laughs> stole Jimmy, went to the rocks. Now, I was wondering, like, why the fuck did he do this? We find out he knows about the gold. So Buck and Roger come rushing back into the flipped Brock. Like, bats out of 1800. Mm-hmm. Um, and they... They're bringing the Tufty Club scarf and say, oh, yeah, it happened. Brie, meanwhile, shout out to the makeup department, is sitting on the couch with Mandy asleep in her lap looking wrecked. Dude. She looks like she she, hasn't slept in like three days. The wig is great because the wig looks like hair that was done and then got slept in and nothing has been done to it since then. Mm -hmm. Like very specifically. Kind of dark haunted eyes like her eye bag a little bit. Like she's fucked up. Um. And great makeup. In fact, this entire episode, great makeup. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Agree. Wait till we get to the hand. Oh yeah. Hand. Um, <laughs> uh, so she is a mess. Roger's a mess. Buck is like, not a mess, but he is determined. He is just standing there like, this shit's fucked. Yeah. I told you. I'm, but I'm not going to say it. I'm not going to say it, but I'm going to help you. I'm above that. But also I told you. Um, somehow Mandy sleeps through all of it. Roger punches a wall, which in this circumstance we will allow, mm-hmm. but those beautiful Lally Brock walls, that shit Please, hurt. You that know that. expensive. Oh, but, but that's like wood paneling. That man is not breaking that. He's breaking his hand. Mm-hmm. It runs in the, the family. family. <laughs> um, so he says what was inevitably coming. He has to go through the stones. Mm-hmm. He has to go. He has to go find him wherever the fuck he went. He's got to go to Jimmy. So he whips a dust cloth off of post wall punch off of this big crate that just says time travel on the side. (laughs) Um, He pulls out his cosplay. Right. And he suits up. Um, And he says, do you still do you still have your clothes? Like, yes, dude, I own one pair of clothing. What was I going to you think that you handed me this Goodwill schnitz? And then what's schnitz? (laughs) I don't know, but it works. This Goodwill schmear. And then <laughs> I'm just going to throw away my duds. Do you have any idea how much clothes cost in the 18th century? No way. I guess I still have my clothes. And um, then Brie, like a boss bitch, rolls over to the office desk and pulls out a little gem. Two. Because she gives, we don't see what she gives Buck, but she gives one to Buck too, mm-hmm. um, as well. Uh, and I just want to point out that for the umpteenth time this season, thrifting saves the day. You're right. Bree says, I went to an antique store in Inverness. I thought these might come in handy. So she's got some gemstones at the ready. They changed their clothes. Then we were gone out of the 80s for quite a long time. In fairness, last week was almost entirely 80s. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's fine. Um, the next time we see them, they are all suited up. Buck is back in the old duds. Roger is wearing something we have seen him wear before, but folks, he is hot this season. You take Richard Rankin. How did he get so hot? Like he's been hot, but now he's like extra hot. Put him in old timey Rogers clothing circa when they leave Fraser's Ridge. 
and current haircut and beard, that man is serving Heathcliff. He is serving right. Darcy. He is serving romantic. That, I'm wandering he, the Moors. He, oh, yeah. the Moors have been wandered. wandered. <laughs> that, he the looks, grave has been laid on. And you can see Brianna is like too distraught to be turned on, but some animal part of her brain is like, mm. I'd do it. Yeah. <laughs> too sad to fuck. But, but. if I weren't. Um, so they are all ready to go. And then they, in the continuing efforts of the show to be as lackadaisical as possible about a process we are told time and again is extremely dangerous, dangerous and life-threatening. They just stroll on up to Craig Nadine. And the, I know you mentioned this before. It really feels like the people who do have the time travel gene shouldn't be that close to no, the dick No, they rock. should not. I mean, we and we've seen evidence of that. Like, they make people sick. sick. They hurt they their f- heads. Or- just remember... If, if you will, Brianna having to dive through dick rock goo. Oh yeah. Right. Yeah. And feel like it was going to fucking kill her. Mm-hmm. So they just bring their tiny chat. Guys, I understand <laughs> Brianna not wanting to leave her daughter at a time like this. Mm-hmm. But if there is not a time, God, what the hell's her name? Mrs. Graham? No, Mrs. Graham's niece. What the fuck is her name? What is her name? I cannot. Florence? F- no. Fuh, 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 it starts with an F. I'm going to find it. You might Fanny. have to cut this part. It's not Fanny. Francis. Fiona. Fiona. Is that right? I'm almost certain. Yeah! Fiona Graham. Boom! So, if there is a time to take advantage of the seemingly endless free babysitting offered by Fiona, Fiona, who used to be in love with Roger but is not anymore, if there is a time to let that nice woman give your daughter a basket, it is, it is now. now. I understand that you will need to go to the Roxbury, but some, but listen. Although, also, maybe she's terrified to leave her child somewhere that's not with her now. Oh, since, of course. Yeah. No, I mean... So, the, she's just not thinking rationally. Yes, right. but, but also... Don't bring your time traveling baby that close to the big dick rock. No, it's dangerous. Like you can see them she all weighs being like, like two pounds. Uh, uh, it's oh, just gonna it's, suck her up. They're doing a really good job with the sound of it. Like the sound is so imposing and unsettling. But yeah, that's just no, 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 but no, 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 no. Once again, the lackadaisical nature of the way they're treating this means that Brianna and uh, Mandy are not affected. They're do they they did again though that. This they've done it multiple times now. The very cool reveal where you watch them walk towards the stones and then it pans, pans back around and they're, and they're gone. gone. It's mm-hmm. a it's a very simple little so thing. Uncle Buck and Roger the put moose. their arms around each other, touch the big dick rock, and peace out. Buck and Roger's road trip. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um so they're gone. And then we get one of my favorite Sophie Skelton acting moments of the whole series so far. She's got her hands on Mandy's shoulders. She's just sort of holding her in place. And she is trying so hard to not sob in like abject misery and terror. And you watch her just like swallow it down, swallow it down, swallow it down. Because she cannot freak her daughter out. Mm-hmm. She's got to go on being a parent with her husband gone for who knows how long. And who knows if he'll come, he'll back. Ever come back. Because just going could kill him. Mm-hmm. And then he's back there and he doesn't have penicillin. Nope. He doesn't have a little butt bump with tampons in it. Nope. Like he is unprepared. Prepared. Prepared. But you know who he has with him? Uncle Buck. Hell of a guy. Hell of a guy. There's another really good moment that Julie pointed out where after Buck says he's going to go and Roger is like in prep mode, Bree gives him a look that's like, all right, (laughs) you're all right. You better take care of this man. 
I will come back there and kill you myself. <laughs> um, there's not a ton for Jeremy Murtaugh to do in this episode, but God. He's still, he's such a. Your Ken. He's such a imposing presence because he's such a large man, but also I just kind of want to hug him. Mm -hmm. But how did they do that magical, mystical act when we saw him like try to hang Roger from a tree? Like, why do I like him now? Is it just because I saw Mandy combing and braiding his beard on the couch? Is that it? (laughs) Maybe. I, I mean... Yes. Yeah, I think that's it. Well, there's also just a shift in attitude. He's like, oh, why didn't you say so? Let's do it. Yeah. Anyway, um, you know when. Best wishes to those guys. You know, in Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, Mm -hmm. when Charlie Bucket comes back in, he's like, here are your gobstoppers. (laughs) And then he, like, so, and we go go from, you lose, good day, sir, to Charlie Bucket, you wonderful boy. Mm -hmm. That's like, I'm going to hang you for talking to my wife. Roger McKenzie, you wonderful boy. You're Ken. <laughs> You're Ken. Um, so off they go, time bros. Um, I love time bros. Time bros. I can't wait to see what happens when they land wherever Julie? they land. Is that... Oh, you that have was no the question, fucking idea. That was the... Pardon me. <clears throat> that was the question that I was going to ask you earlier, but the episode was a little bit too jam-packed for me to get in there. Is this the plot line that you were like, I can't believe this is the batshit plot line oh yeah oh okay cool all right because we've already we've already seen the crazy <laughs> we already saw the crazy goo in the dam we've got the cameron thing we got the tufty club so whatever happens with roger and buck back in the past is there the is, bat shit crazy there one. is still there are layers to the bat shit crazy okay. um so i'm curious to just see how much they include mm-hmm. but yeah shit's about to get wild Okay, cool. Well, I'm very much looking forward to that plot and line a in the second half of the that season. in the wildness of the sh- Skip ahead if you want absolutely zero spoilers when I don't actually know if this is going to happen and it's in the books and it's just a casting thing. Mm-hmm. Skip, I don't know, like 30 seconds. If they stick to what's in the books, one of the batshit crazy things that this plot line is going to bring us is more Joe Abernathy. <laughs> That's my little season seven A gift to you. Awesome. Yep. Because you know what? Brianna needs a friend right now, bitch. Yes. Fiona can only do so much. She's got her own kids. Oh my God. Is Brie going to go back to Boston? I don't know. Okay. Okay. Whatever. Whatever. All right. That's cool. Okay. And I'm very excited about Travel Bros for the second half of the season. Time Travel Bros. All right. So that's a wrap on the 80s for this episode. Good job to everybody involved. Can't wait to talk more about the 80s in our various season wrap up episodes. Mm-hmm. Um. Okay, let's do the mini part of our Revolutionary War storyline. And that is Ian and Rachel. Yes. Like, I really thought, once again, please look up her name. I'm going to write it down again. Izzy something. I really thought that she, in that time, was just going to just have sex with him. I really thought she was just going to do it. Because the the longing, the desire was so well acted. I just really thought Izzy it was about Michael to Small. Izzy Michael Small. Thank Again, you. just selling the hell out of it. The selling chemistry the, between her and Michael Bell is... And Ian John Bell. Bell. Sorry, John Bell. Yes. Michael Ball, noted British music theater performer. Not this guy. Um, Ian Ball. Somebody else. <laughs> inventor of the ball jar. I Some don't know. Some other dude. Um, I'm making that up. John Bell. John Bell. We in. Yes. John Bell and Izzy Michael Small Small together are like Selling peanut butter it. and chocolate. So how we get here, though, um, 
that we have a, a scene, a really great scene that we will talk about in just a little bit between Claire and Ian. Mm-hmm. But partway through that scene, <laughs> Rollo, Rollo is, is like, like, I still haven't gotten them together. I'm feeling my Haley Mills fantasy. And he walks up and starts licking a bowl with goose grease in it. Which Claire needed for somebody's butt. Yeah, for Denzel needed it for someone's rectum. And mm-hmm. it's important that we remember that it is for someone's rectum because it's going to be important <laughs> in about 30 seconds. So Ian is like, ah, auntie, I'll get your grease grease and bring it to Denzel. She goes, oh, oh his sister? Yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah, what I of it? bring it to his sister. And That's- Rollo's over there like licking one paw going, nailed it. I still got it. <laughs> um, so he goes and gets some goose grease. And he, it's greasier than grease is a thing he says at one point. He brings it to Rachel. They immediately start making sex eyes at each other. He hands it to her. She drops it. Oh, no. They go to pick it up at the same time. They're looking hand, at each other. Hand flex. There's a little hand-to-hand contact. They're both kneeling. And then he just goes for it. And it is a kiss. And it she is, got, kind of goes for it, oh, too. Oh, she, she's like, yes, yes, yes. And then he pulls away from her, and she does that thing that I fucking love in on-screen kisses where you see, like, her mouth sort of chases his for a second. Mm-hmm. Like, she's like, no, 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 come back. Right? Because now I have to think about the fact that we just did it. If we're still kissing, then I don't have to think about it. But also, like, I need you, like, I need oxygen. Yeah. Energy, right? Um, And they stand up, and she wails off and just slaps him across the face. Which you're right, and I didn't think about, is a big deal for a Quaker. This was, uh, I think it was maybe Larissa in the crowdcast. Yeah, somebody in the crowdcast was like, remember. It's a big deal for a Quaker. No violence. Um, And that's... They're not married. Nope. They're not in any sort of relationship. Nope. He did not ask permit. Like it's Quakers don't make out intense. I know, but she she couldn't help it. She, oh no, she, she was all about it. Yeah. So she slaps him, and then it, they go straight into flirty banter. It's he starts speaking in another language. Yeah. He first he says "mokri," which is my heart, I think, mm-hmm. in Gaelic, and then he says something in Mohawk, and she goes, "What now?" What the- um, and he says, I'm sorry. And she says, you should be. And the whole time they're just like inching slowly back together. At one point he says something about, um, my feelings. T- and she says, Oh, I don't need you to tell me that you love me. And she says, you have a high opinion of yourself. You, I didn't say I loved you. Flirty, flirty, flirt, very Elizabeth Bennett energy. And then he goes, it's better if you don't. And you can see her go, what? What? But Ian has gone full into, it's like giving her a smooch, pushed him right past I've got a crush to, oh my God, I can't love this woman because I've got an arch enemy, arch enemy. Oh, that's right. Archbug. Do you really think he thought about Archbug in that moment? Oh, 100%. That's what that scene's about. That's why he says it would be better if you didn't. Of course. Right? Like, right. I I didn't even consider. I'm not worried about whether or not you love me. I'm worried about whether or not you would die from it. That's Uh, not. Rachel probably thinks like either that he lives a violent life or babies, right? Because that's a, a common fear. He is very specifically talking about Archbug. Yeah, I did not put that together. Yes. But now, of course, that makes total sense since he shows up later. Like, right. Of course. He is 100% worried about Archbug. So she is uh, all in a tizzy. He, she moves towards him and like puts her hand on his chest, and he steps away and is like, you had better not touch me because if you do, I'm going to take you right now, and then we'll both be sorry for it. And you see her go, I kind of want to think, but, but, but no, 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 no. no, no. No. And then like <laughs> smash cut to Rollo going, oh, oh, these guys, oh, these fucking trying kids. so hard. Come on. Let's get together. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, 
our next glimpse of this scene is uh, Rachel, or this storyline is Rachel and Denzel, um, who also we'll talk more about later because he also has a great scene with Claire. That seriously, lots of very good character pairings mm-hmm. in this episode. Like great conversations, a lot of them with Claire, which is great because Katrina is very good at listening on camera. Not everybody yes. is, but yes. she's. You can see her like go on a journey. So it's Rachel and Denny. And the only note I have about this otherwise really excellent scene between these two beautiful young people, they are good looking youths, mm-hmm. um, is when he calls her sissy. <laughs> I know. It, it did stick out to me. I hate it. Thanks. I hate it. My sister calls me sissy. So it like jumped out. I don't know. It just didn't feel right. Mm-mm. Oh, well. Is it? A, I wonder if it's like an old timey thing. Probably. Like a Quakery thing. I'm not into it regardless. Yeah, so, I don't like it. They're having a chat and she says, uh, brother, I need you to pray for me. And he says, is it about Ian Murray? And she's, oh, did you know? I, Everybody I saw him knows. leave and he pretended not to see me. And also, come on, you're shooting sex darts at each other all the time. Yeah, we, everybody sees it, okay? Denzel's point is very straightforward. Ian is a man that if Rachel was to marry him, she would be put out of meeting. And it's only Denzel who's been put out of meeting. I kept expecting Rachel to say, yeah, but I'm your sister and I'm with you. So I'm already, I'm already sort of out of meeting. Mm-hmm. Um, and I am not a Quaker. Don't understand the implications on a visceral level. I'm sure it's a very big deal to her, but so is that Dick. <laughs> yeah. So it is. She almost had sex with him. She literally almost had sex with him. Yep. So with Rollo right there. I know. God. Um, so basically, he doesn't have any advice to offer her. He says his two thoughts were he can say to never talk to... He, like, I can go to Ian and say, don't ever talk to my sister again. Or I can go to Ian and say, my sister She just only, wants to be friends. She only likes you as a friend. Yeah, she just wants to friends on you. And what Rachel doesn't say is, he won't believe that. He already knows. He smelled it on me. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's too late. That's... We're, this, we're in this already. It's on. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so they leave that unresolved, but it's a nice little scene. Mm-hmm. Then we're, we're already almost done. We see Ian come back after Jamie's all expenses paid trip to Scotland, which again, we'll come back to. He says, will you watch my dog? They don't make out, but again, huge, like pining, longing. I have energy. to come back for my dog. And yeah. she actually says will, that, right? I will take care of him. Not just because I love him, but because that means they will have to come back. Mm-hmm. And you can find me at Fort Sumter, yeah. I think. They're headed They're south. They're traveling south. And he says, okay, great. Thanks for taking my dog. I, I'd like to fuck you down. <laughs> yes, can we please just bone? Those two have off the charts I know, it's, screen it's something. It's really something. So he pisses off, and then we see Rachel headed south with the rest of the camp. And she's walking along a path in the woods with this beautiful wolf dog by her side. And all of a sudden, this wild animal just decides, oh, look at this guy over here. I know him. I'm going to go say hi. Oh, my God. Maybe he has a tree for me. And we see him from the back, Bill Nye style. And we all know it's Archbug. Yeah. And there's Archbug putting two and two together like, oh, that's Ian Murray's dog. Oh, this young woman is very lovely. Oh. Your friend must love you very much to trust him with his dog. And Rachel stops just short of going, he does. Like she blushes and he says, I hope your friend comes back to you. And off he goes. After a moment, he does have a moment where he looks off into the distance a little bit like where he's thinking about killer. 
Don't kill her. Kill her? Oh no, he's got to he's got to he's got to wait and do that shit in person. Yeah, I know. Cuz part of the oath was like you'll watch me do it or yeah. like yeah. Right. But you see him like computing now I know something. I've got something on Ian. Yeah. I've got it. It's not great, folks. No, it's not great. It's a bad sign. Mm-hmm. And Rachel, she doesn't even know. No idea. She is fully digitized. She is still thinking about that dick, man. She just wants a like a little slice of Gaelic mohawk. Just, just a tip. <laughs> like, we don't even really have to fully do it. Just put the tip in. Just the tip. Butt stuff. <laughs> yeah, butt stuff. Oh, my God. Put, the, put it in my butt. Then that's not real. So Quaker Barbie wants it real bad, and we want her to get it real bad. Yes. We are very team Quaker Barbie. Quaker Barbie, and also team Ian Rachel. Apologies to William, but sorry. Yeah, sorry. Sorry, bro. You're not on this boat. Also, you're going to need some therapy. Ian's had some therapy. Mm -hmm. His therapist was nature. Yeah. (laughs) And also, like... And Rollo. His family, and Rollo. Yeah. Um, He's working on himself. Mm -hmm. William, you know... Not quite there yet. Baby, you're going to... You got... You got some things to deal with. You got all kinds of stuff you got to deal with. Um, So that's that's that. Then Ian gets on the boat with Claire and Jamie and goes to Scotland. Yeah. John Bell, very good in this episode. Yes. He's in his limited scenes. They are aces. And we'll talk about him a little bit, too, in the fighting. When yes. we start about the Speaking war. of the fighting. Let's go. It's a world where the dog eats the dog. <laughs> um, so in keeping with Outlander, the musical... <laughs> We've done cell block tango. Mm-hmm. We've done, you know what else? Rachel is headed into the woods. It's time to go. Oh my God. She was. <laughs> we're, um, we're hitting all of the bases like damn Yankees. <laughs> oh. Oh. <laughs> <Damn>. <laughs> um, and you know what Quakers are known for? Their sweet charity. <laughs> <laughs> At least we're not still stuck in 1776. Oh, you know what? Well, that's where we're going right now, actually, right? Yeah. Well, it is 1777. We've already moved past yeah, the Continental they're, Congress. They're not, um, they're, and they're not so much about to say hello, Scotland. God damn it, I fucked up my joke. They're not about to say hello, Dolly, so much as hello, Scotland. Mm-hmm. Um, what, what else we got? Um, let's see. There's a kiss of the spider woman. <laughs> You know what? The other reason the Revolutionary War is important, because otherwise Jamie's going to have to pay rent, 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 rent. <laughs> <laughs> Terrible. <laughs> You're welcome. Okay. So, um, I, I, the reason I keep referencing Les Miserables is that the episode opens with um, a lady in a bonnet robbing some corpses, and she gets to a certain very large corpse. Red-headed. Muscly corpse. Wearing the owl outfit. And she looks in his, his sporin that's not a sporin and pulls out a portrait of William and is like, garbage, and chucks it. <laughs> um, and then she's like rifling around for whatever shit she's going to get. Golden musket balls. Who the fuck knows what that man has in yeah. his pockets. Um, and her little son, Gavrosh, we'll call him Gavrosh, is, um, is with her. And he starts, co- Jamie starts coughing. And he's like, Ma, he's alive. <laughs> and she says, slit his throat. Oh, I just did. That's um, that's the Muppet that uh, steals Scrooge's curtains. Oh yeah, <laughs> that's the what I just spider. Did. 
I've got his linens. Yeah. I've got his curtains still warm. Oh, I've got his stick pin. What was the spider's name? Uh, that was one of the parts that I read in the thing. It was very funny. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, so the kid, they're they're rifling through, and the kid it pulls out this knife. I think it's Jamie's knife, and is about to and cut. As his he's throat. holding it, he's like, "It's so weird. This feels just like holding a dick." Hmm. Wrong knife. And then out of nowhere, Claire with a dick knife. Out comes Claire holding a knife, ready to shape, go, just like an erection. She grabs that kid by the neck and is like, "Bitch, one more step, I kill your kid. I'll I just will, strangle him. I will wring his throat." Neck. And I'll, the, I'll the woman choke him. is surprised. Like, we're just trying to do... No, I call this... This one's this, mine. I call this field dibs. whatever. And Claire's like... You don't like, understand. I shoveled this corpse out myself and I put two lawn chairs in it. Do you not understand how <laughs> this works? Do you not works? know what this means? I'm going to key your fucking car. <laughs> and then uh, Claire's like, oh, you think I'm a... In a very awkward... Yeah. Stop. It's sissy and... You think I'm a... Do you think I'm a... And those are my only two notes of yeah, the whole episode. Yeah. Everything else, you think I'm a plus. A, and then the woman's like, I've just got to feed my family. And Claire's like, uh. And then the kid elbows her to get loose. She drops the knife. Woman comes at her with the knife. But then Claire sees a sword and she picks up the sword and she's like, I will fucking kill you. Fucking try me. I will kill you. Fucking, fucking try. try me. This is my husband. Fucking try me. And the, and the woman is like, uh, uh, uh. And then she just kind of spits, spits on the ground and, and walks, walks away. away. It's like, cool. And then Claire gets down. Is Jamie still alive? And, and Jamie Claire says, is like, what took you so long? <laughs> and Claire's like, you asshole. You fucking asshole. You were supposed to be shooting at people from, from a, a distance. distance. <laughs> and instead, I find you leading a charge. What the fuck is up with this hero complex you have? You piece of shit. It's a great scene. She's so mad at him. And it's so, it's, it's. First, completely understandable. Yes. But also kind of hilarious. Yes, both. And she uses a lot of big words at him. And finally, at one point, he's like grandstanding. Like, (laughs) he's so funny. (laughs) Sam really killed it this episode. So she gets him back to... Stupid hero complex. Right. right. Um, She identifies that he has not been shot or stabbed in the gut or anything. Mm -hmm. Because... As we'll see later, a gut wound will fucking kill you. Yeah, not great. He did, however, take a sword or a bayonet or some shit to right his left through hand. the hand. Now, did it, I don't know if she said it or not, but did it just go through or did it go down and like it was separating the ring and middle finger? You know what I mean? Was it's, it a full it's all hard the way to slice tell. down? It looks like it was all the way. Yes, between the two fingers down about halfway into the palm. It's gnarly. And it's... um. It's his bad hand. Yeah, he's already been... Fi- his left hand is cursed. His left hand, equal sign, Benedict Arnold's left leg. Yeah. 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 That's true. So um, she hauls him up off the ground, and he's... A little loopy, <laughs> as you would be. Um, and she hustles his ass off the battlefield. And she's real mad. Yeah, she is. But also very relieved. Yeah, And there's God a lot of smooching. Alive. And... We've already talked about the makeup department. Claire's wig is so good. I love the wrap. Like she's got that piece of fabric 
holding her hair back, but it's also holding the ponytail back. And you can see little pieces, curls coming through, like, like obviously filthy. It's dirty. And she just did it really quick just to like, maybe blood, maybe goose grease. Like it is, it's really, really well done. Um, so she hauls him back to their tent where she does basically everything that she needs to, to make sure that it's, he can sleep and it's clean that he's not gonna, um, just don't fucking die on me like that mm-hmm. energy um, short of a hand job yes not mm-hmm. yet no, not no. on camera well hand job she does give him a hand, <laughs> hand job, job. Yeah. she does give him a hand job it's yeah. just the other it's you know what i mean yeah um <laughs> so <laughs> another life-saving hand job they have some <laughs> banter about what happened um jamie is says basically it was the, the battle bad people die run charge save something uh, um but he's having a hard time mm-hmm. um that hand sam killing it is rough claire gets him moderately comfortable wraps the hand up tells him to try to get some sleep dr larissa has informed us concussions and sleep are okay now and um so claire again best doctor in the world mm-hmm. um and then she goes off to tend to other patients um, we then see her having a chat with Dr. Denzel, mm-hmm. who says... Is l- losing it. Yeah, he he's having a hard time. that he had lost four patients before today. Um, he, now he's lost ten times that number. She assures him that... He, think about how many he's saved. If he's quadrupled the number of, of people he's lost, then he's also saved that many more. They have a nice conversation, and he says, it's hard for a man like me... She says, a, ma- a human being? He says, a Quaker. And then he realizes he shouldn't assume it's easier for her. And it's just, it's, they're just chatting, but it's very it's nice. It's a good scene. They're it's good a good together. scene. Mm-hmm. So she heads off to go tend to Jamie some more. And she sees a goddamn soldier coming oh, out of his let's tent. let's real quick. Dr. Denzel is wearing an apron that is oh, so yes. cool. It buttons in, up on his chest. It like buttons on. Onto his shirt, sort Yes. Of? And it's like a triangle that comes down. And I wonder what the... Like why, what the design is about, because how is that better than like just the straps, like a strap on apron? You know what I mean? Like how is just this one point button? Also, does that mean that all of his shirts have a button right there? Hmm. Anyway, it's cool apron. Cool. Mm -hmm. It's very cool. So she heads back to her tent where she sees a butthole coming out. Some fancy motherfucker coming what out. What the fuck? Turns out that some that gr- Granny Gates, Gates, Commander Gates, who we learn is called Granny Gates because he's old, but also because he wears, he wears little, little granny glasses. Granny glasses um, has come to tell him that the a few men from Morgan's from a distancers mm-hmm. <laughs> rifleman Morgan's rifleman. rifleman. Um, I know they're from snipers. a distance or snipers, <laughs> the snipers, snipers, um, Morgan's bets. Um, <laughs> Sa- save the day. Yeah. They saved a company of 50 men. And then they have this great little scene where Jamie is, he takes the laudanum and he's starting to nod off. Mm-hmm. He, and he doesn't want to take the laudanum because of bad dreams. Gee, I wonder what that's about. I wonder what bad dreams, he, what bad things in his life he has to dream about. <laughs> so, they are, um, they're chatting about Moses. No, Abraham. Abraham bringing down the number of the people that God will take. And Claire is basically explaining, he's basically explaining to Claire 
it's, what do you think a finger is worth? A finger, like if a whole city is worth this many men, a finger is worth one man. Basically he's saying like, I, I gotta be me. Yeah. I gotta do me. I gotta be me. I am what I am. Sorry, Mm -hmm. more music theater references. So he, um, then passes out from the laudanum. The cup just tips right out of his hand and Claire just looks at him affectionately. And then she stays up all night, stitching up that hand and curls up with him and says, oh, uh, because she had earlier said that he needs to take the laudanum because she can't have him twitching. While she's trying to sew it up. Um, like Rollo chasing rabbits. Mm-hmm. Right. And I mentioned death bunnies because it's, it's been a minute. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I wonder if the death bunny is going to make an appearance. They're going to hop to it. Yeah. <laughs> you never know when one of those bitches is going to show up either. So he passes out. She sews up his hand. Real nice work, too. And says, um, you can dream about chasing rabbits now. I love you. It's a Please lovely little scene. go into the fights anymore, you old man. Um... So then we have a little time jump. But I do have to say, Mm. Sam, like he was great in this whole episode, but that particular scene, the Abraham speech was like, great for him. Great. Thank you. Good job, buddy. See, I think my number one Sam moment in this episode is on the boat. Yeah. Oh, when he sees Scotland. That was good too. Mm -hmm. I I really like this scene. But also all the shell shock. Oh, and we almost forgot. I got to call out uh, Laura from the crowd cast. Saying that he looked so hot while covered in coffee grounds. Yeah. Because that shit on his face. I know it was like battlefield dirt or something, but it did really look like somebody had just taken coffee grounds and pat them on his face. So I guess I have three notes. Sissy. What do you think, think I am? A- and coffee grounds. Coffee grounds. <laughs> he did look good, though. Mm-hmm. Um, so great makeup. Rollo goose grease. Oh. So next we have a little a wee time jump. Mm-hmm. Um, where we see uh, Ian and Claire having a... Well, they're all talking about how well his hand is improving after two weeks. Yeah. And Ian and Claire are talking about time travel-y stuff. This is before the goose grease. How maybe Jamie is meant to be in this battle. That would be a turning point. There's some... They don't turning know when it's going to happen, but there's going to be a turning point, and maybe he Episode was meant to be tiny. there all along, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then... We already know Claire is light on the laudanum. Yeah, she, she, she gave she Jamie told her him, last. She's like, you better drink this shit because it's all I got. And you, ha- you would have to know that laudanum would be very important to a battlefield surgeon at that time, right? So she's just um, drinking her water, minding her biz. And <laughs> um, this very charming man walks up. He is, importantly, not wearing a coat. Like he does not have on his uh, his battlefield jacket, Mm-mm. whatever. He's in his shirt sleeves with a big box full of goodies, and he's like, "I need quinoa bark or whatever it was, quinoa bark, quinoa something, and quinoa bark, <laughs> whatever." I need kale medicine. <laughs> yeah, I want this bark. I know you probably have it. Take your pick from my wares. Uh, they have a little back and forth where she. Um, Asks if he has malaria, and he says, no, but one of my men does. I thought you'd want to trade. Kinkina. Kinkina? Chicona? Sicona? It's C- I know how it's spelled. It's C-I-C-O-N-A. Oh, I thought it's it was Lizzie Bark. Because it's the same thing that they make quinine with, yes. which is the, yes, the, yeah. It's Lizzie malarial. Bark. Anti-malarial. We'll just call it Lizzie Bark. Lizzie Bark. Okay. Um, so uh, she says, do you need laudanum regularly? And he says, no, 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 no. Although I did take it once when I shattered my femur. <laughs> um, do, 
Do you? Do you need it? Regularly. No, no, I'm more of an ether gal. Um, (laughs) But I gave it up. Um, And somewhere in the background, you can hear a little voice go, still here? (laughs) Claire! Hey, Claire! Drink me! Where are you going? Come back! Um, (laughs) That's so deranged. Oh, my God. Oh, God. Addiction is a real problem. We are not making light of it. No. But also, Claire resist honey mm-hmm. um so they're having this nice chat about how important oh, she says laudanum is one of the most important tools that she can have because sometimes the best thing she can offer her patients is pain or is pain, pain relief. relief and he says that's the opposite of what most doctors say most doctors say i'm gonna say it. any anything can be cured and she says well Mm-mm. That's not realistic. Not not real. And then they have like a very charming philosophical debate about ambition and um, why would you try something if you thought you were going to if fail? You, maybe if you were realistic about the things you can and can't accomplish, you will never accomplish anything. And Claire thinks about it's a really good little scene. Claire thinks about it and she says, Well, I suppose you're right because if we all thought that, you know, we shouldn't do things unless they seem realistic. None of us would be here. And they sort of smile at each other. And then Jamie walks up and turns around and, and immediately is like, oh, and he bows. And Claire's like, wait, who the fuck am I talking to? And the, our stranger says, Come Oh, I forgot off. to tell you who I was. I'm yeah. so sorry, madam. You must think be awfully rude. I am not wearing my jacket, nor have I identified myself as the most famous traitor in the history of the United <laughs> States of America. <laughs> Um, I'm a, I'm a regular Brutus. It's like Brutus, Judas, Benedictus, but he says it, you know, we never said Ian saying arsehole. Sorry. Got to cover this. (laughs) Really important. Ian walks in for his little meat cute ish with Rachel. And he says, here's your good. Auntie Claire said Denzel needed it for a patient for his, you could see him looking for rectum, rectum, rectum. Arsehole. <laughs> it's great. Okay. Okay. But they Back ask Benny. Jamie, Benny asks Jamie, we were just having a philosophical debate. What do you think about ambition? And when Claire hears his name, Woof. the Woof. reaction shot, Katrina pitches it perfectly. It's not so obvious that Benedict Arnold would be like, what the fuck? But like she goes dropping like, the bottle what? of laudanum. Whoa, whoa, whoa. No. So Jamie, what do you, sir, what do you think of this idea? Blah, 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 blah. And Jamie says, well, it's been said that a man's reach must exceed his grasp, or what is uh, heaven for? And Benedict Arnold says, hmm, interesting sentiment. Who said that? And Jamie goes, the p- p- poet. A poet. P- poet. I think. And you, you and can just feel Claire's rectum arsehole just seizing But up. she's also trying not to laugh. Yeah. She's like, yes, I think it was Let's a poet. I can't remember his name. Hmm. Strange. It's Robert Browning. It mm-hmm. hasn't been written yet. Yeah, right. Um, time travel. <laughs> what a putz. <laughs> And then Benedict Arnold wanders away. And then Claire and Jake, Claire is like, dude, look, I need you to know that whatever happens we with that guy. We need to have a conversation. Is very important because his name, his name, the name Benedict Arnold becomes synonymous with being a traitor. So like in my time in the United States, if you said somebody was a Benedict Arnold, it, like Everyone everybody knows know. who he is. Yep. So something important happens with him and we have to figure out to make 
to make sure it happens. Yeah, they have a they have a conversation in the tent where Claire is giving Jamie the rundown. She's like, everyone admired him. He was an incredibly successful commander. At some point, he decided to switch sides, and when he is found out, it is such a scandal and so um, unbelievable that any American general would turn traitor. That two hundred years from now, people will be using Benedict Arnold as a synonym for traitor, and they're both just like, but I like him so much. Why is he so charming? Um, and I Jamie actually says, took that note. Why is Benedict Arnold so charming? <laughs> he's very charming. Yeah. Uh, and not in a creepy way. Not Mm-mm. in a creepy way. Um, <laughs> he, so Jamie wants to know if she knows when it will happen, if they can stop him. And but once basically, again, her knowledge of the American Revolutionary War shits the bed. But even if she did know. She's not in the heart of him. She, no, who knows the hearts of men? But Right. But they can't do shit about it because what if him becoming a traitor is inadvertently what causes the Americans to win? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like if they know and it causes them to avoid this calamity, then does it mean other calamities will take place? Like they have no way of knowing. As we have seen, time travel is a fucking bitch. Mm-hmm. I've also realized we forgot something extremely important. What? Julie? Jamie sits up on the battlefield. And then does this again later in the tent where he says, what happened? What happened in the battle? And Claire does not scream, who won the battle of Culloden? <laughs> but it's huge who won the battle of Culloden energy. Yes. Okay. So Benedict Arnold, um, apparently huge thumbs up. Mm-hmm. This is one of my favorite things in all of the historical figures show up in Outlander dance that we're doing from here on out, which we've had some of that already, but there'll be mm-hmm. more. It's just... Everybody loves Benny. Yeah, man. He just Someone cool. in the crowd cast called him Benny Arnie. Benny Arnie. Everybody loves Benny. Benny's a good guy. He's such a good guy. <laughs> um, and here we get a little glimpse of maybe the seeds of what goes wrong. Because... Granny Gates sucks. Granny Gates sucks. They are getting ready to uh, fight a little battle. Battle of Saratoga, day two? Second battle of Saratoga. Second uh, battle of Saratoga. Saratoga. Jamie is already having some struggles mm-hmm. like he is already feeling a certain type of way about all of this battlefield shit and he's man, nervous about willie because he figures out that willie is somewhere in the area around. right and he is really really obviously nervous that he's gonna accidentally murder his son <laughs> they are he's already told us i swore i would never stand across a rifle at like across a battlefield pointing a rifle at my son whatever um but they're at like a like a pep rally like a war pep rally oh yeah and daniel morgan Burt Lancaster, Cornish yes. Game Pen Edition. Yes. God, he really is serving huge Burt Lancaster. He's in very handsome. Yeah, but he is rousing the troops. He reads a letter from someone saying how good they're all doing. Yeah, saying that the Americans have retaken Sugarloaf, and Jamie is like, fucking Sugarloaf. I should have. It wouldn't have been like it already would have been ours. Come on. Fort Ticonderoga would have been ours too. Buttholes, listen to me. Buttholes. Nobody would have. They call, they're calling it Mount Defiance because they shouldn't be naming things. And then he's whipping everyone into a frenzy and he's like, you know why the British are bad? Do you know why? And then fucking Denzel, Dr. Denzel goes, oh, he's going to do this again. Yeah, we saw it the other night. And he walks away. It's a good he's little like, moment. Gotta go. He's like, enjoy the show. And then he takes his shirt, uh, Daniel his quail takes shirt his off. shirt off, takes a quail shirt off and turns around and looks. Lo and behold, it's the return of the Cornish gay men. <laughs> so Jamie has this reaction that's like, that I thought was really interesting, where it's not exactly kinship, 
But it is obviously because I, I don't know how much you remember of this in season one. I remember that he got over it real fast, like being the. But that's not even what I'm talking about. Mm. When Claire and Jamie are like first getting to know each other, I'm talking like episodes one, two, three. Mm-hmm. Gilf will bring him somewhere mm-hmm. and take his shirt off and, and show him yes, to everyone. And take his shirt off to uh, have people understand why they hate the British to raise money. Right. So he feels a little weird, kind of weird shame maybe, or like, oh God, it was so gross when I had to do that. Now here he is doing it a little, I don't know. Yeah, there was a, it's like complicated, a, which mm-hmm. is what I really, like it's not cut and dry. You could mm-hmm. read his reaction any number of ways, but it certainly seems like the beginning of... not a meltdown by any stretch, but like it unlocks a little door in his mind that we see quite a lot from Jamie's perspective in this episode in a way we normally don't from here on out. We're seeing his view of the battle, his experience of the battle instead of watching from a distance Mm -hmm. while he like with his sword and his this and his that and doing his all terminator thing. We're just right with him. Mm hmm. And it starts here. You can tell there's like a something personal to it and something intense. And he doesn't go talk to like, hey, twinsies. That doesn't happen. He and Claire stroll off. And then we cut to Second Battle of Saratoga. And this scene, super well done. Mm-hmm. Like, Jamie, really, ba- for, as battle scenes go, it's really intense and specific. And yeah. Jamie and the riflemen are behind kind of a makeshift um, barricade, which looks they like. They are. Hold on. Beyond the barricade. Nice. Like, which looks like it just really shouldn't be able to hold up to the enormous lines it of red just coats. Like a shitty fence that are just marching slowly. Like they're not even that far away. I would say they're probably like twenty yards away from this thing. Yep. And it just looks like the red coats can just keep shooting at it and shooting at it and like knock it down. People are falling left and right on both sides. Yes, like lots of people mm-hmm. are dying. And Jamie starts kind of like short-circuiting a little bit like you can see his discomfort he's overwhelmed we've never really seen this from him before in these types of situations he's still the terminator don't get me wrong he shoots a ton of people yeah he's shooting people and then they uh simon fraser his second cousin who's the general on the other side comes on comes onto the battlefield for the redcoats on horseback and uh fucking bart lancaster crockett is all like somebody kill him Ah, well, no, because first it's Benedict Arnold. Benedict Arnold is like, somebody shoot that motherfucker. And then Daniel Morgan says, Jamie, he's (laughs) right. I respect and admire General Fraser, but he must be killed. Ah!" And so people start trying to shoot him. And then Benedict Arnold is like very specifically, hey, shoot that guy to Jamie. To Jamie. And Jamie is like, fuck, 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 fuck. And he trains his little quail gun on Fraser. A minute, the last minute is like, nope, and aims just at another random red coat. And aims not great because he's, yeah, because he's not paying attention. Right. And shoots the hat off that motherfucker. And And that motherfucker turns around. Who is it? It's Willie. It's Willie. And fucking. Guys, Jay, I was expecting this because we had the business with the hat last week because it's a very famous moment in the books. And, um, And because, yes, last week, or I guess two weeks ago when we were talking about the episode in the Crowdcast, I was like, ooh, is it hat murder time? And someone was like, no. And then as we were getting ready to start, somebody in the Crowdcast was like, hey, Alice, I think it was Larissa, hat murder. And I was like, oh my God, here we <laughs> here go. Is. Jamie's about to murder a hat. Julie fully lost her shit. I was like, what? Because he wasn't, first of all, he wasn't looking. 
he because all he did was just move it a little, move the gun a little bit to the right so it looked like he was trying to shoot at Fraser, but he really wasn't. And then he almost kills Willie, unbeknownst to him. Willie's face turns around, hack on. Jamie starts Flips. to lose it. Oh yeah. Somebody else shoots Simon Fraser. In the gut. Then it's time for them to go beyond the barricade. (laughs) And they um, start charging. Against the Redcoats who are running away from them. Like, are they going into Fort Ticonderoga? Yeah, uh, Yeah, I think they're. Saratoga. I don't know if it's, I don't think it's Ticonderoga. It's a fort. It's a fort, whatever it is. Doom Fort, they're climbing into the fort. Ooh, and... Jamie is like running and he knows his role and he knows what he's supposed to do. But you can also see that he, his mind is elsewhere, dude. And he keeps like fainting defenses, like running away from bullets and shit and kills a few dudes and like scales the thing. He also has this sick little glove, like Lady Gaga Madonna glove yeah. covering his bum hand. Yeah. I don't know when, cause you know, Claire made that or maybe it was Ian. I don't know. Somebody made him a sick little glove. And it's like a little leather half glove that yeah. is protecting it's the, very slit, pop star. the vagina in his hand. Yes. And, he gets over the wall uh, along with some of the other rebels, and we're seeing people die left and right. Both redcoats, and are those French? Who are the other not French? Germans. Germans. We see some German soldiers dying. We see like hand to hand combat inside the fort and walls. It's wild because Jamie is like going in and out of it. Like yeah. sometimes he's in Scottish Terminator mode. Like there's a moment when he tosses his his pistol in the air, catches, catches it, on it the by end. the barrel, and then fucking clubs somebody right. Like, he's thinking quickly. He's dodging fucking grenades. Like, yep. he's doing all the things you're supposed to do. And then sometimes he'll just freeze. Stop. And one of the times he just, he's looking around. He thinks he sees William getting shot. But it's some other fucking red coat with brown hair. What mm. a waste of time. <laughs> it's um, not Willie. But oh. he's frozen. And then some dude almost takes him out. And then Murtaugh style, Ian is like, I got you. And John Bell, in one Goes shot. ham. Stone cold. It's honestly very reminiscent of the Brown Town mm-hmm. shit because it's it's not exactly emotionless, but it is methodical. Mm-hmm. Like it's not. I came battle here to kill. Rage. Time to kill and chew gum, and I'm all out of gum. Yeah, I came out of here killing, to killing to kill dudes and kiss Rachel Hunter, and I'm all out of Rachel Hunters. So I just got to kill dudes now. And he's just it's laying waste. It's he is laying he's waste. Threshing wheat. Yes. It's really it's, very frightening. The blood is strong. It's John Bell is very good in those scenes. Yeah. Anyway, very brief. Another Scottish Terminator enters the chat. Jamie is um, messed up, and then he sees somebody pulling down the British flag, and he's like, "Oh, we did uh, it. I guess I'm done here." Uh, <laughs> oh, <laughs> totally. God. Yeah. Like I would really like to not be and doing this And he doesn't know anymore. if William's okay. Then we hear a bunch of soldiers were taken captive and he doesn't know if that's part of the deal, whatever. Jamie's sort of flipping out. Among the like crazy images that he sees in the battle, we see an American soldier get bayoneted in the leg. We see all kinds of people get shot, obviously. We see people being torn down from this wall, um, lots of grenades. And then we see a shot that is an echo of the title card, which we didn't touch on before. So real quickly... The title card, we see like a, like a shoot, looks kind of like a metal shoot that has blood, blood dripping, dripping out of it. Right. And, and the then the entire camera spins around. around 
And it is a boot hanging from the stirrup of a horse that's just wandering the battlefield. It is a fucking doozy. And we see it again in this battle, and it is Benedict Arnold's boot. Boot. So, Blood boot. Ooh. <laughs> so he's definitely been stabbed in the leg or shot in the leg or Some something. Some serious And business. thrown off his horse. So we then see Claire administering to... Old to Benny, Benny Arnie. Arnie. <laughs> Yeah, you know what? Calling him. But you know what? Here's to Benny Arnie. Here's to Benny Arnie. Mm, Stiggle Rattler, y'all. So he I is don't. obviously struggling. It's. I, uh, they're also in the battle. At one point, Morgan is like, follow that man. That idiot is probably going to win us this battle. Something like that. So it's obvious that one of the turning points in this battle was specifically the leadership of Benedict Arnold. Yes. Right. But he's laying on his hospital cot and Claire is trying to give him more laudanum. He doesn't want it. He has fucked up his leg. It's the same leg as before that he talked about earlier. Yeah. Where his, my, my fat femur was shattered. Cursed leg. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you guys, we're never going to stop. It's, there are too many things that are two syllables. <laughs> So he uh, is hold on. dub words. Ooh, he is feeling really pissed because Granny Gates is taking all the credit. He says Granny Gates is going to erase my part in this battle, just like he always does. Mistress Fraser, I don't know you very well, but am I justified in hating this man? And she's like, uh, yes. <laughs> the weight of history on her shoulders. <laughs> yeah. And as yeah, Jamie says right. when they're talking about it in a later scene, she opts to tell him the truth. That's what she really thinks. Yes, yeah. you are right to be mad about that. But she must know that she doesn't know what causes him to flip. Mm-hmm. But this seems like it this might be This seems pretty obvious. And so it's just... She has to let it happen, even though it's going to be bad and it's going to cost people their lives. And this nice guy is about to torch his reputation so severely. So hard that he can never come back. And even now, 400 years later, we're all like, Benedict We're Arnold. like, I'm sorry, Janine. You said you're leaving the podcast. What are you, Benedict, Benedict Arnold? Arnold. All right, Benny Arnie. Just kidding, Just Janine. Just kidding, we love you. We love you. You're we not a Benny you. Arnie. You're not a Benny Arnie. But we still say Except that Except in mother- charm. Yeah. We still say that motherfucker's name. Like, that. that's crazy. That yeah. is like a huge... That is so huge. Yeah. To last hundreds of years that it just must have been such a fucking big deal, man. And Benny Arnie, as he's understandably moping, but moping in yes. his hospital bed. As he's going, I'm just Ken in his hospital bed, right? <laughs> Wondering if he's Knuff. Everywhere else I'd be a 10. Oh my God. Mm-hmm. Uh, is he it is my just destiny kidding. to live and die a life of blood fragility? It is Benny Arnie's entire yep. thing. Yep. Benny Arnie, Ken. He's Anywhere Knuff. else he'd be a 10. <laughs> He's Knuff. Um, you know what? He was afraid of living a life of obscurity. But then that's not what happens. No. So, oh, that was, oh, that's why I said that. 
Fucking Claire. Yes. Oh, they'll remember your name. Yeah, he's worried <laughs> as he's moping that he, basically he says, I wish I had taken a bullet in the heart instead. At least then I'd be a martyr and people would remember me. And Claire goes, um, um, people will remember you. They will you. remember you. They will, bro. Promise. <laughs> so funny. I promise. Mm-hmm. Like, not in the way you think. But you're going to be set. If what you want is to be memorable, you're mission done, accomplished. You did it. You're doing it right now. You're doing it real good. <laughs> um, it's a great little scene. And Jamie basically it's, endorses. Yeah, I, w- I mean, of course you gave him the truth. What else were you going to do? We can't. And he's laying in his tent. He and Claire have kind of a nicer tent than everybody else's. I don't know if it's, it's probably because he's a sniper. But Colonel. Colonel, that's right. And he is literally like, everybody leave me alone. I just want to be alone. Like he's in the tent quietly. He's just like, I just want to sleep now and not talk to anyone. Mm-hmm. And then is this where Granny Gate shows up? Um, they're outside when that happens. That's talking right. about what I don't know how awesome Jamie's glove is. Mm-hmm. And Granny Gates shows up in his little glasses, says, kind of raise up a word with you. And Jamie gives Claire this look like it's like, oh, did we mention Claire's look to Ian? Where you, Jamie, they're talking when they're going I'm back not again, get fisticuffs. when they're talking about how his hand is healing up. Jamie's like, well, I'm not going to be getting in fisticuffs anytime soon, but it should be fine. And the camera cuts to Claire just giving Ian this look like, that's like, yeah, can right. you fucking believe this guy? <laughs> I'm not going to be getting in fisticuffs. Yeah, yeah okay. Sure, yeah, okay, sure. buddy. I mean, sure enough, cut to 45 minutes later, and Jamie is scaling the wall of a fort with his bare hands. Yes, with his broken well, hand. Well, with his mostly bare hands, because uh, tiny pop star glove. Tiny pop star glove is in effect. So but I bet that hurts. Like back in the now-ish, um, Jamie follows Granny Gates into the tent, and he's like, what fucking... What now? Why can't you all fight your own fucking wars? Because didn't they say... Wasn't he telling Claire outside before Granny Gates showed up that part of the terms of the surrender was that people were going to get to The go? British. Yes. So part of the terms of the British surrender was that none of them could ever fight again. Mm-hmm. So they're like, William's safe. Yes. Yeah, that's right. But... The war is continuing, and there's mm-hmm. going to be a lot more fighting before the war is over. Mm-hmm. So Granny Gates comes up, and he's like, Jesus Christ, somebody is going to make me do some other worship. Something Why are shit. people always making me do worship? I just want to take a nap. Just want to do some woodworking or something. Come on, I've got windows to install. Yes, I've got a wife to fuck. I've got um, a sow to raise. I've got an outhouse to build. I've got a whole bunch of people living under my guidance to neglect in favor of interior decoration. (laughs) I've got a living room to wallpaper. (laughs) I've got a daughter to write letters in the future 200 years. I've got a sheet to uh, weave, a beautiful brocade bed sheet to weave. I have got some hidden gold to visit. (laughs) I've to got, paint black like musket balls. I, I've got some musket balls to cover black paint. I've got a best friend to not talk to anymore. <laughs> Come on, get it together. Um, but no. I've got a house to rebuild. Granny Gate yeah. says, so, part of the terms of General Burgoyne's surrender was that... Oh my God, no, we skipped a huge thing. Mm. They're in their tent. Mm-hmm. This is when Jamie is like, I want to be left alone. Yes, right. and then all of a sudden, knock, knock, knock. And he says, enter. And who should come in but somebody 
in one of those coats. Oh yeah, that's right. That's right. And this young lad who it must be said also looks a lot like William. It's like they found everybody with that would look decent in a William wig and then hired all of them so that they could all just wear William wigs. <laughs> so that every time they walk somewhere, Jamie's like, huh. <laughs> <laughs> so he says, um, I come under a flag of truce. Uh, you are the kinsman of general Simon Fraser. He He's has requested to, to see you before the end. Mm-hmm. So off they go. We'll take you in. You've got our protection. This shit is straight from the book. Dude, that guy, what is that actor's name? Again, you and Amelia talked about him quite a bit in the episode that you recorded. Uh, He is so good. He he really is just like a Shakespearean actor got dropped in the midst of this shit. So his name is Angus McFadden. Oh, well, he's fucking great. This guy fucking annihilated it. And it's just like, a lovely scene with Jamie and Simon where Simon is very clearly just about to die. Yeah. So they come in and um, they speak Gallic to each other. It, there's a, a very Scottishy remark where he says, cousin, how are you feeling? And he says, I have a wee bit of indigestion. indigestion. Might be something I ate. <laughs> it's like, I got a clean eye on the basketball. What was it that fucking Rupert said? About the having one eye, it was very much that energy. Yes, the like um, yeah. um, gallows humor. Yes, um, but there, it's a very Jamie is talking about. Remember when we were boys chasing after the bigger boys with sticks too big for us, and he calls him um, Seamus Macbrian, um, Jamie's son of Brian, and um, Jamie calls him Simon, son of Simon. And they have this lovely moment together. I'm sorry that this has happened to you um, so far from kin and far from Scotland. And he says, well, I have kin here now. It's beautiful. It was a great scene. Claire, also, when they first walk into this like general tent, like champagne tent. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, coop tent. <laughs> coop tent. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> um, Claire takes one look at him and then kind of goes... And then says, he doesn't have long. <laughs> She's kind of stiff, like, mm, mm-hmm, it's, mm-hmm. it's going down. Minutes. <laughs> um, <laughs> my spidey sense is tingling. <laughs> um, so they have this lovely little exchange, and that guy is fucking killing it. Claire leaves the tent and runs smack into William. And both of them are great in this scene. You can see this moment where um, William is like, Mistress Fraser. The what last time I saw here? you, I was flipping my shit because I didn't figure out until too late that Ian Murray was going to break you out of Fort Ticonderoga. And then I uh, did something that I was against my better judgment, but I, it still felt is, right. I've, I've seen, seen it's some com- shit. It's, com- it's, com- it's complicated. Mr. Fraser. I've and seen more Claire shit now. immediately gets this incredibly sympathetic look on her face mm-hmm. where she says, did you get a chance to see him? And he said, I already said my goodbyes. Because remember, General Fraser and... Um, William, they had a thing going on. They're really, they kindred spirits. Guess what? Literally. <laughs> yeah. um, they are <laughs> fucking related. Um, they just don't know it. So he, she says, I'm sorry for your loss. And he says, thank you. Oh, oh, did you mean the battle? And Clara's like, no, I didn't fucking mean the battle. Um, war is terrible for everyone for involved. Everyone. You see that now, right? And he's like, <laughs> yes, yeah. I think I'm beginning to learn that. They it. have this exchange. It's really lovely. And he is obviously having a very difficult time. They gave us, um, doom hot edition, um, getting shot in the head again and then previously on. So like, we're meant to understand that William is really struggling with the reality of what war is, which 
Outlander, you know what, to its credit, has always done a good job yes. with. But Started with Claire. Yeah. Yeah. They're really doing a good, it, it's not romanticized. Mm-mm. And in fact, this, this uh, episode when Jamie does take the fort, we talked about it a little bit and you mentioned it in the crowdcast. This time, this is kind of the first time we've seen him have the full, like, shutdown. Like he, in the Battle of Culloden, he was obviously like, has oh. to dissociate to do it, but he's But he was also it. like, and that was, he was essentially suicidal. Like right. it was a he's, suicide mission for him. He was prepared to die. Right. And he is just fighting. This time you can see his mind is like stopping him. Like his body, even though his hand is all fucked up, his body remains ready. Yes. Um, Forever. But he has paid a mental price right. and it's different. You there can are, see it now. He has mm-hmm. more to lose. It's like that conversation he has with Ian where he says, actually he thinks now it wouldn't be so bad to die. And none of his anxiety seems to be for himself. No. It's other Claire. people and Claire and the, and the cost and the chaos and like the sameness, like yeah. there's something about, it's always the same. Why is it always the same? Who's dying. Mm-hmm. We don't know with the exception of Simon, we don't know any of them. And there's only one where it's like very specifically supposed to look like William, but it's, they're lingering on all of these individual deaths because he's seeing every face. It's like the, it's like the 50 right. men, right? Because he's looking for William. So he's very focused. But he's also so aware of the human cost. Like right. all of those people have families or they're babies and they haven't had a chance to fall in love yet. They haven't mm-hmm. had a chance to see the world yet. Like he's aware of the human cost in a way that he has not been previously. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's something like maybe this is all post Murta. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like maybe this is and thinking about his son being over there yep. and dying and Brianna right. and Roger and like what it means for them. It's right? a life. Like there, it's it's a lot. He's dealing with mm-hmm. a lot. Um, and it's just been really good. So and William so now is we going see through that too. William beginning that journey. Yes, and it's seems to already be more personal. Not that Jamie has ever been callous about fighting in that way. He hasn't, Mm-mm. but. At least, you know, when he, when he was in his twenties, he had Claire, mm-hmm. like, he was not a soldier for that long before he met Claire. Like he was still recovering from the head wound he got while he was in France with Gilf and, um, Murta. And I, I guess in that time he was also with Ian when he lost his leg, like mm-hmm. he's seen some shit, but he, when he was at Culloden, when he was fighting Gilf, when all of that shit was happening, he had Claire. Mm-hmm. And then he had Claire and her baby and all of that shit. And then he, you know, was in prison and in a cave and all, oh, like, yeah. lived that He's whole life forever. Shit. He's been through a lot. And William is starting on that journey and it's already personal. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's also, for ha- he's had a very pampered life, but a complicated one. You know, he has never known his mother. Mm-hmm. Um, he never met his piece of shit father. He has the best re- real, well, what he assumes is yeah, in his, his mind. Not, he assumes that his, um, Elsmere, adopted father whatever. is, um, he assumes that Lord Ellesmere is his daddy. He doesn't need to know he's a piece of shit. Lord John is his adopted father. He thinks that's the end of the list, right? Yeah. Um, he doesn't know there's, uh, three men with that little baby. But then the woman who <laughs> raised him, um, Geneva's sister, Isabel, she dies, right? And she mm-hmm. he's grieving her when we see him as a kid at Fraser's Ridge. Right. And then 
his dad gets sick and he almost, it's a lot. He's dealing with a lot. Um, so he has this lovely exchange with Claire. Then yet another, I've got two lines, but I'm going to fucking murder them guy shows up. Um, oh yeah, that's right. Uh, Adam Astill plays someone who is apparently Colonel Grant. I didn't know his fucking name. doesn't matter. He has three lines and they were all excellent. Yes, he was very good. He is just chatting with William. He tells him that he has died and that his kinsman is in there. Claire walks over to see Jamie as he's coming out. He comes out of the tent. He opens it so the doors are open. Mm -hmm. Um, And which they explain in a minute, uh, but which I, a book reader, knew what was going on right away. Um, Where did you find it out, though? From the books. In the books. <laughs> so um, Claire walks up to Jamie and says, William is here. And he turns around and you can see him be like, barf. I can't, uh, I can't fucking, what the fuck? One I more can't thing. fucking deal with this. Oh, my One God. more what thing. What the fuck? And he's watching him talk to Colonel Grant. And he walks up as Colonel Grant is saying, Where's your hat, soldier? He says, oh, uh, I lost uh, it. some British horse son deprived me of it in the yeah. battle. Uh, just loud enough, I think, for Jamie to hear that shit. Yeah, and Jamie walks up and says, uh, it seems that I owe you this, sir, and presents him with his hat and then sort of bows and walks away. And Claire goes, why the fuck did you do that? It's like, because... I've, I've now come Met within a, a hair's breadth of shooting mm-hmm. my son twice. Once when he was a baby, which is when his piece of shit dad was threatening to murder him. Right. And uh, this was the second time. I might not miss a third, and I wanted to speak to him as a man before that happens. Very clear. Um, it's a great little scene. William is like, but uh, This guy. Uh, and we talked about it afterwards. It, like, William is having a very complicated stew of emotions here. Like, why do I care so much about this guy? I, I hardly know. Why is this so... Fr- it, every time this guy comes up in conversations, people seem to be looking at me like deep, meaningful good yeah, glances. Like, really I don't understand. staring at me, and his wife is, like, really staring at me all the time. And, like, I don't know why I feel these things. What but is we up know with this he guy? remembers it at least a little because he remembers his um, Catholic name. Remember, mm-hmm. we see that when he's doing his death song. Mm-hmm. William James. Mm-hmm. I, my death song is I lost my hat <laughs> JK yeah no he's had enough now. he's really he's seen some shit um, so Jamie gives him back his hat has that great moment with him and then they leave and then um, <laughs> Colonel I'm great even though I only have two scenes um, was like you better put your hat oh, interesting man he's an interesting man you, the general kinsman yeah Bob Sure does look like you, but with red hair. Mm, Hmm. Where'd he get the red hair? (laughs) Um, Put your hat on. You should put your hat on, Captain. And William goes, Captain? Captain? He says, yeah, General (laughs) Fraser wanted you made a captain at the last battle, but General Burgoyne just signed the order. Um, So, congratulations. And William says, oh, did, did he know? He says, yes, yes, he knew. He found out before he died. And so William has a feels moment, but Mm -hmm. then he puts his hat on. He's like, this hat fits me perfectly. It's weird. Why? It's like we have identical skulls. Mm-hmm. That's pretty strange. Yeah, why does this why is this the right hat size? Feel, feels good though. Yeah. All right, off I go. Not gonna ask any more questions about this. See you later. I'm a captain now. <laughs> um it's a great, it's mm-hmm. a great little scene. And then we see then General um uh, Grant. Grant uh no 
uh, Granny Gates oh, shows Granny up Gates. and says, a, 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 a go condition to of General Burgoyne's surrender. Simon Fraser died. He's your kinsman. He, he wants, wants to, to go to Scotland. Scotland. Will you so take pl- him? Pretty please. We know it's so much to ask. But would you please take him to Scotland? Uh, and Jamie says, but there's a blockade. And he says, oh. Yeah, don't you, worry about it. Um, our boat will of take you. Her Majesty's ships. Yeah, it's on us. His Majesty's ships. Yeah. You're, you're riding style. You have won an all expenses paid vacation yeah. to Scotland. <laughs> on our dime, dude. And he's like, oh. <laughs> and you can just see him, like, try to quell the excitement. He's like, yeah. Mm. And then he has to go tell. Granny yeah. Gates leaves. He comes out trying to play it cool. He's like, in there going, keep it cool. Keep it cool. Yeah. Keep it and then he gets right in Claire's face and he's like guess what it's great because I feel like so much of Jamie and Claire's luck has been Jamie having to pretend that things are not bad news mm-hmm. um, this time it's good news this time he's like that sounds agreeable to me mm-hmm. <laughs> keep it cool keep it cool keep it he cool. tells Claire they're going to Scotland and they hug um, Ian asks Rachel to watch his dog cut two. The boat. But in a gift just for Julie, we immediately get... What? It's in the Irish... But aren't you the person who's who's, uh, revolutionary war dignity, who's colonial dignity, was um, up chucking his hardtack into the Irish Sea? And we're like, oh, we're almost there. Great. And then the last shot... It's great. There's acupuncture banter. We don't see any needles. Huge missed opportunity. Ian laughs a lot. It's hating being on a boat. Also, Ian walks into the cabin and goes, I miss my dog. (laughs) Yeah, that's very cute. And what he means is, I miss Rachel Hunter, but also, I miss my dog. It's very sweet. But then we hear the bell ring, and we know that land ho, and we hear somebody say Scotland, and everybody goes above board. And Jamie has a beautiful moment. Sam Hewen has a beautiful moment. One of my favorite... Sam Hewen moments in the whole series. It's right up there with, this is wonderful news. When it's not wonderful news. He sees Scotland and, you know, you can just see it. It's so pure. You can just see it in his eyes that, like, he didn't know if he was ever really going to see it again. And here it is. Oh, my God. And he's so relieved and sad and happy and, like, everything all at once. It's beautiful. Uh, All three of them is. Claire's is not quite as heightened as either Ian. Well, she doesn't have the, right. right. Mm-hmm. As either Ian's or Jamie's, but they're all of them very moved. And it's a great way to end the season. Mm-hmm. Like it's, there are cliffhangers and there are cliffhangers. And we have a little, we've got the arch Rachel cliffhanger. And we've, we also have the time travel yeah, cliffhanger. Time, the time bros. Time bros. <laughs> on cliffhanger. But this is just Scotland, sweet Scotland. Hell yeah. And guess what that means for- It's time for Jamie to go back to his Mojo Dodo Casa House. <laughs> Uh, that means, speaking of Mojo Dojo Casa House, that means Jenny Murray in the second half. Yeah, here we go. Okay. Um, so, Julie. Yeah. How do you feel about the points that we turned? <laughs> They've been turned. They've been turned. <laughs> okay. Uh, let's do the getting up to get a beer scale. I didn't. Uh, I, I would not have. I don't think I could have because the conversations were all so in-depth. Yeah, the hot were we piss was leave? unmatched. It was great hot piss. Were we just going to get up and leave while Claire and Benedict Arnold were talking about philosophy and like trying no. to figure out if they were drug addicts? Like, No. Are, are you are you a drug addict? And also, what do you think about The it? conversations were too good. Right. The, the actual human connection and the depth of the conversations and the closeness and intimacy of the conversations in this episode specifically really got me going and very relaxed isn't quite the right word but 
it, they're not pushed. They're it. not forced. It's, None of it's forced. None of it's at no point in this episode. Did I feel that anybody was trying to tell me what to feel? Exactly. No, not at all. Ooh. You were. <laughs> don't, don't bring it back to that boat. <laughs> the worst boat. The boat that ruined all other boats for me. Oh God. Rude. You know what? We, we liked this boat. We weren't there very long. It's season seven blue. We got some good acupuncture banter. It was fine. It was fine. Ian uh, got to say, I miss my dog and then laugh at his uncle. What more do you want? But the hot piss was so good and in this episode. there was a kitty. There was a kitty. Oh God, there was a kitty on the boat. And I was like, I wonder what Adzo was doing. What do you think? What do you he's think? Adzo's dead. Doing? No, he's not dead. He's not dead. He's fucking he's a survivor living in those woods. Keep on surviving. He's got a little cave somewhere. That when he walks out in the morning, there's a sunbeam that shoots directly in front of the cave, so he doesn't yeah. have to go far, yeah, and he just stays there. Meow, meow. And he bats at a moth for a while. He eats some grass. He kills a snake. Vole. He kills a snake. That brings it full circle yeah. with the phrase of snake. He, he, That's the reason he, he's, he's there. He's he's fighting the good fight. And then he goes back into his cave and curls up on his bed made of pure Spanish gold, or sorry, Frenchman's gold. It's just like. <laughs> And then he walks up to his litter box made of gold. <laughs> scratch, scratch, scratch. I had to keep all that even though those sirens exist because that was too funny. Y'all, city living. City living. It's summertime. You're with us. Okay. So, no, I would not have gotten up to get a beer. My scale would be the Terminator. Wow. And literally, that movie starts and it does not stop. Like, um, I think this I is would the go first with... Terminator, by the way. I want everybody to know. What would I go with? Um,. All I have in my head is Julia Roberts going, kiss, and that's not what we want, although it was a good kiss. So I guess maybe my answer would be the scene in Pretty Woman where Julia Roberts sits in a bath and sings along to Prince. (laughs) It's a bad example, but we're going to stick with it. Okay. Okay. Costumes. Let's talk about the costumes. Let's not even talk about scales, because there are a couple costumes I want to touch on specifically. Mm Specifically Claire's. Yes. One, that um, the button down with the pattern on it. The little blue squares. Yes. It's such, so textural, but so like subtle. And again, like lightly menswear. Right. And season seven blue. Yes. Those little squares. Um, we've got Jamie's cool fucking glove. Oh yeah, man. Really neat. And his leather vest that he's wearing at the mm-hmm. end that makes him look real like. Um, there's the incredible makeup. Um, we didn't talk about Simon's makeup on, when he's oh, on, his, on deathbed. his deathbed. It was very good. Uh, all the blood, the gore, the, his hand, everything, the but the coffee grounds, hand. the coffee grounds. I know that that was either dirt or gunpowder. I don't know what it was, but it really did look like coffee grounds. Folgers was in his cup. <laughs> Folgers was in his mug. Come on. <laughs> on his mug. Yeah. But the, the best hand. part of taking drugs <laughs> is Folgers in your mug. <laughs> the hand makeup was so good. Yeah. The stitches, like mid-surgery stitches where it just looked like a little porcupine. Oh, my God. Yeah. It was great. It was the wigs remain excellent the wigs this are season. So good. Claire's um, was great. The other Claire costumes that I wanted to talk about, there are two more. One is her... Buttons up the side, yeah, that looked like a lab coat, mm-hmm. and then La- I think it was Larissa in the crowd cast pointed this out. Um, the not boat only coat. is Claire where all of them look great when they're on the boat; they're in their mm-hmm. "I'm on a boat" vest. Mm-hmm. Um, 
But Claire's is not only season seven blue, it looks like the bat suit. Like yeah. it looks like what she wears when she first goes back in time. Mm-hmm. Back in time. The um, kind of higher neck profile, yeah. kind of squared off shoulders, like 40s kind of profile. On yeah. the, yes, it was great. Yeah, her costumes were all wonderful and very kind of subtle, like just little flashes. I guess I have one more note. So it's, what are our notes? Um, what do you think I am a... That's one. Two mm-hmm. is sissy. Three is coffee grounds. Mm-hmm. Four is just put the fucking needles in the guy's face. Yeah, just come lay on. down and the, let me do this. His boom, boom, boom. Seasickness. He is a very weak semen. His <laughs> seasickness is so severe that it is supposed to be life threatening. Mm-hmm. Like he literally will go weeks without eating and just constantly vomiting. Oh, gross. He, it is very serious. Put the fuck. Just. It was one scene. I get that he would, he would have had to take it out for us to get the beautiful dreamy moment on up aboard the ship looking at Scotland, but just let the man have his fucking, just do it. It's just like the stones. I get that theatrically you want more to play with, but sometimes when it's somebody's health, you just have Show to commit it. to these circumstances that have been given us. Also like really, I guess in the books, here's a question for you in the books. Mm-hmm. Is it a whole head setup, like pinhead? Forehead. Situation? Just, it, just. It's, if memory serves, it's, they're all in his forehead. And are there several of them or several. are there just a couple? I don't think it's dozens, but, but there are several. So it would have taken Claire a goodly time to remove them. Uh, I mean, she is offering to put them in. Right. So. But I, what I'm saying is if they did have the scene. And he had them in there. It probably wouldn't take her that long oh, to remove no, them. Seconds. To go I mean, upstairs. he could yes. just take them pa- out, pull them out, doink, doink, right? doink. But then we get Jamie being just like walking around with pins in his forehead. It's just, just funny. Come on, let mm-hmm. Outlander be funny. Yeah. And also, if you are telling us something is serious, then you have to take it seriously. That is the contract of taking in a story like this, right? right? Like the Dick Rocks. If the Dick Rocks are Exist, incredibly so dangerous, so does acupuncture for seasickness. If the dick rocks are incredibly dangerous, then you have to treat them like they're dangerous all the time. Yeah, you can't have people just wandering right up to them. You can't have them just walking little Mandy <laughs> right Mandy. up to the stones. You can't do that. And if Jamie has um, un- incurable seasickness... Put the needles in his head. Just, just, he just can, do it. Just for a second. He can just be like, I'm done with these. <laughs> and then he just pukes. <laughs> the minute he pulls them out, what? <laughs> you know what, honestly? Here's my final note. On this. Here is how I would have ended this season. Beautiful moment. They're all staring at Scotland, that beautiful song. And, <laughs> and then Jamie's just like, oh, hold on, please. <laughs> Come on, let's do it. We'll put a little sauce on it. Okay. All right. Costumes. Uh, were there any other costumes you want to talk about? I really liked Rachel's sort of mustard colored mm-hmm. lace up bodice with the, the sort of striped fichu that she was wearing. Oh, fucking Dr. Denzel's apron. That yes, shit was ballard. Um, I also love his flat brand hat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good. Good all around. A yeah. plus. We're mm-hmm. into it. But it was specifically Claire costumes this time that yeah. really stood out. Yeah. yeah. Ian's costume obviously remains top notch, but Always. it's. It, Sheer excellence. We've different. been saying about it forever. All yeah. season. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Uh, <laughs> doing doing it, it scale. Well, okay. There is something here, right? Because it's the. What is a, a love story or a film where somebody, obviously, it's got to be something like Jane Austen related or something back in that time period, where literally it was a matter of, in their minds, life or death, that they not bone. 
Oh, I mean Pride and Prejudice. Joe writes right. Pride and Prejudice. We're kissing in the rain under the thingy. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Where there is a moment where these two people know. Atonement. Only they do it. Hair, hair's breadth. Yeah, can't be atonement because they actually fuck. But there is a hair's breadth between this person and complete and total ruin. Like, and I. Maybe it's worth it. I will do it. Like, that moment of, I, I would. I would. And then to p- pull out of itself. Yeah, Pride and Prejudice. You're right. It's Joe Wright's Pride and Prejudice because they're also mad at each other. And also hand flex all over the joint. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And Angus McFadden. Mm-hmm. I don't, I doubt they're actually related, but who fucking knows? Mm-hmm. Should we find out? Mm-hmm. Angus McFadden and Matthew McFadden. Um, hold please while we research. This will be the insertion of the <laughs> Bossa Nova. <laughs> they have oh, to be related, you know right? What? Uh, it does not say anything about that. However, he was once engaged to Catherine Zeta Jones. Angus McFadden? Yeah. Matthew McFadden is Faden, whatever, is in no way related to Scottish actor Angus McFadden. All right. Well, only, you know what? He's a spiritual kinsman. So yeah, both kinsman. great actors. And um, hand flags. And weirdly, their hats are exactly the same size. Yeah. Why? <laughs> so who knew? <laughs> okay. Um, and then get up to get a rear. We already did that. Do, but we're talking about doing it. Oh. Um, it, was, it was hot. It, it was, was hot. It was... Mm. delayed satisfaction hot they fucking need it and they can't and it's complicated Mm -hmm. and they're both really mad and they don't totally understand it she would she would have it was very clear the acting in that scene was so good she literally would have just done it i think i I don't think she would have i think she would have smooched him some more but i don't think she would have i think she would have very badly wanted to but rachel is I know she's no dum-dum. She's very sensible. A woman of faith, sensible, I get it. But it really, the performance really felt like she would. She thought about it. She was thinking about it. Their chemistry is so fucking good. After all of Ian's insecurities, to have him be like, oh no, I know you love me, don't worry about it. It's, there are other issues. <laughs> like, they mm-hmm. kiss one time and he's like, I'm not, I don't, no, I, you love me. I know, we love each other. It's it's, cool. it's obvious. It's like that's what's happening. Like, mm. Don't don't get, get on it. board. It's like <laughs> no, wait, don't get on board. Back up, back up, back up, back up. Back up. <laughs> um, yeah, it's very hot. We get some good Claire Jamie smooches, but they're not sexy smooches. They're mm-hmm. oh my god, you almost died smooches. Yeah. Um, all of our sex energy is definitely coming from from Wien. Yep, and Rachel <laughs> <laughs> and Wallow. Wallow. <laughs> okay um who is your golden pamplemousse we Sam. have got options but that is the one right Sam. Mm-hmm. It, i know i haven't named him very often maybe i don't we I have mean, we have I've, I've named him before sure but i don't think i've named him more than two or three times but this one might i really think this one might be my favorite sam episode of the whole it's up series. there it's up there and it's what i like about it is often when we're praising Sam, it's um, this is not showy. It's a at rise all. to the occasion situation, right? Yeah. Like it's like heavy story, and he really meet goes Brianna, right? Um, or um, snake fucking Murtaugh turns around, yes. like shit like that. Murtaugh yeah. dies, yes, totally. And he is great in all of those scenes. Yes, but, but this is just him. 
being just him. being Jamie. And then dealing with some shit. Yeah. And not crazy in the moment heightened operatic shit. Like no. a difficult life, a joyful life, but a difficult life with a lot of loss and a lot of trauma. Right. All sort of catching up with them at once. But the there's that beautiful um uh the monologue about Abraham. Yes. For there's me. the beautiful Abraham monologue. There's giving Willie his hat, which again, that shit is straight from the books. Mm-hmm. There's the kind of playful but relief of Claire finding him and him kind of like giving her the business, even though he knows he's, <laughs> he deserves yeah. this ass whooping. Um, there's the, the fun scene with Benedict Arnold and then there's them stewing about time travel. And then there's the Scotland reaction, him underplaying that there's the, all the stuff with Simon. Simon. Uh, but for me, it's the Abraham monologue, the hat and seeing Scotland. Yes. Those are the three top, I, but a great episode for him just overall. Yeah. I'm going to give like a little honorable mention Pamplemousse. Um, for his run on the show to Angus McFadden, Faden. Oh, yeah. Um, he was only here for, what, three episodes? They were doozies, though. But he's so good and just so impactful. Yeah. He didn't have a shit ton of scenes, but every scene he had was perfect, right? Yep. He's just good. And John Bell was great. John Bell's gotten a lot of praise from us this season, but John Bell was great. Katrina was great. Mm-hmm. Katrina was glue in this episode. Katrina mm-hmm. was... Holding different like, stories together. And right. being the... Rock. She was yeah. Dr. Denzel's rock. She was Jamie's rock. She was also Ian's rock a little bit. Oh, yeah. Setting mm-hmm. other actors up to do great work. Yes. Which is a hard thing to do. And mm-hmm. she was doing it a whole episode. Really, really good. Um, yeah. Just no, just fucking excellence. Yeah. Seriously, the guy who was just there to be like, he seems like an interesting fellow. Put your hat on. You're a captain now. Excellent. Yeah, great. <laughs> like, really very good. Yeah. Oh, it's wild. Like, oh, I shot him. And then I get everybody fucking rules. They're all so good. Good job, everybody. Uncle Buck, he had like four lines in this episode. Still they great. Were, it's just great. Mm-hmm. Great. Sophie Skelton, great. Sophie Skelton's best season so far. Oh, without question. Yeah, by a lot. Without question. Yes. Um, Well, she has a little bit more to do. And it's um, not nonstop trauma. (laughs) Right. Or intrigue, right? Like, they're living their lives, and their lives are complicated. Mm -hmm. It's, I feel very good about this episode and this season in Mm -hmm. general. Mm -hmm. So that's it. All right. Well, that's the end of the first half of season seven. We'll be back next year. No, very randomly. We'll be back next week. Oh, the show will be back next year. Yes, Allison and I will still be talking about shit, but Outlander will be back. And about Outlander. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We are going to do a costumes episode, as we always do. Um, There are a couple other ideas we're tying around with, and... Um, Dude Lander Part 1. Yeah, Dude Lander Part 1. There are also... um, there's going to be a live show at a date to be determined. If you're, if you're listening to this now, you know how, when you're done watching an episode of Outlander, you just let it run for just a second to hear the next week on do that because there's a chance that we will know when the live show is before this episode is released, in which case we'll just tap it on to the end of this episode. Um, but mm-hmm. we're going to do a, like a fun variation on our usual live show sometime in September or October. Um, so we'll have other things. I'm I'll do it in the books. We have other things coming up, uh, and then obviously all the other shows, so you Mm -hmm. can investigate those. Yes. Um, 
But we have, it's so nice to be excited about talking about Outlander. Yeah. I'm really excited again. Cause season six. I had six, a great time this season. Yeah. So far. It, I know we have another half and it comes later, but this has been good. like emotionally heavy without being punishing. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I'm invested, the, not traumatized. Exactly. The abuse is obviously still there. Wartime, all that shit, but it's, it doesn't feel quite as personal Mm -hmm. i don't know because it's not i I don't know i don't know what that is about why is it easier for me to watch a like terrible wartime battle scene and not feel attacked well because it wasn't about making us feel punished right like i don't think i think that never my love is a great episode of television but i felt punished and i won't ever watch it again Mm -hmm. but the problem is the outlander has done a lot of episodes like that where they're like all right Mm -hmm. here we go this one's going to be grueling Mm -hmm. and then we suffer together for an hour and you can only really do so many of those and there are other ways to tell affecting stories right and they've done it enough it's so instead we got tom christie thinking about being willing to die for Claire and listening to Jamie give his eulogy on the porch, right? That was very emotionally affecting. And at no point did I have to like take a break and get a drink of water. Right. You know what I mean? (laughs) I didn't come away angry. Mm -hmm. Um, It was just really thoughtful. Yes. And well done. And this episode is super well constructed. Um, Coffee grounds and all. Yeah. Except for minus sissy. Minus sissy, minus what did you, you get with uh, and minus Jamie not puking off the side of the boat as the last beat of the half season. Um, we'll All be right. back next week with something TBD, um, and hopefully we'll see you in person for the live show if you want to come to Chicago. And um, y'all are great. Three out of five. <laughs> Three out of five. I get it. Bye. Bye. Pew, pew, pew. Important announcement. Podlander Drunkcast and Outlander Podcast Musical Edition. That's right. Our notorious live show, attended by dozens, is back on Saturday, September the 30th, 2023, at Chicago's finest dive bar, the Oasis Tavern, in beautiful Rogers Park at 6809 North Sheridan Road. Doors at 11.59 a.m. because, as our man Jordy says, God's tooth, it's not even noon. We'll roll our dice about the first half of Outlander Season 7 and then karaoke. Hope y'all can make it. I've got an I've got a thing to open for the end reel. Oh, you do? What is it? It's a two women bitch. Hell yeah. I'm so sad I missed camping this year. So did I, but you know what? It's going to be delicious. Yeah, it is. Um, But we're not here to talk about missing camping. Um, By complete coincidence, every week in August, because these are definitely recorded for every episode and not recorded in one fell swoop for the entire month. Um, (laughs) Sure. We are here to talk about the amazing audio program that we just completed Right now, in this very second. And then post it to the internet for your listening pleasure. Immediately, too. Just, no, like, no downtime. Nope. Just, like, sent it right, right from, from our brains to the internet. <laughs> with no, no stop. Amelia just follows us around with, with instruments in case we need her. <laughs> exactly. I mean, honestly, that's not terribly far from the truth. I agree. It really is like, 
you can just say, hey, Amelia, hey, Buzz, can you be here in half an hour with a recorder? And she's like, yeah, can I? <laughs> she did show up at my house last time we did this with a bag full of instruments. Oh, she did. And I gave her Yeah, my that's u- right. Because she did My Heart Will Go On from my kitchen, which because was amazing. she is a ham who is on the loose. On the loose. She's a ham on the loose. Uh, anyway, point is, that was a great show, wasn't it, Patty? We did great. <laughs> we did great. We always do great. And we would just like to tell you a few things so that then we can get to thanking the really great people. Yeah. So this amazing piece of content was edited by me, Julie. It was produced by Allison and Julie and other stuff by Allison. Our social media game is tight. And that's thanks to Amelia Ham on the Loose Bazell, as well as all the bad recorder covers. Love you, baby. Mean it. Our artwork <laughs> is by Laura Berrios, a.k.a. Viv Pickles. Our slag maven is Jenna Pukowski. You can find us on Facebook.com slash PodlanderCast, on Instagram at PodlanderCast. You can find all of our shit there. You can also find us at PodlanderPresents.com, where you can find all sorts of info about our high-quality content like this right here. If you like what you heard, please consider leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or Pocket Casts or whatever the hell is new. I don't know. Whatever you're listening to right now. And we want to thank all of you for listening, but we especially want to thank our patrons. You can become a patron at patreon.com slash podlanderdrunkcast where you can support the show, join the Slack, get early episode access, and all sorts of fun bonus content. Live streams, baby. You can see so many live streams. Bitch, you could have watched us be all geared up to react to the Nuklevy and then be underwhelmed by the Nuklevy reveal in real time. What a whiff. Thanks to all of our patrons. You all make it possible for us to do all this stupid shit. You know what you're like? You're like, uh, you're like taking a shower and sliding into clean sheets. We are the Buck McKenzie of this podcasting relationship and you all are the Jem and Mandy smuggling us all the the chips and crisps and and combing our beard with a barbie biscuits. brush and combing our beard with a barbie brush mm-hmm. Julie did you pick up on they were watching Buck Rogers yes I'm obsessed. Anyway, um, we want to thank all of our patrons. You are all lovely, delicate blossoms and or hardy behemoths of strength or um, sensitive souls with beautiful auras or whatever it is that's going to make you feel good because we love you and you're the best and you deserve exactly the praise you want. Mm Mm-hmm. But we especially want to thank the following lovely folks who sponsor at the level where we say their name in a big fat rush at the end of every episode. Are you ready? Hell yeah. Kristen Blanton, Caitlin Gibbons, Katie, the Jordi fishwife, Mindy Newell, <laughs> Rachel Ravel, Brenda, <laughs> Allison King, Jock, JWS, Sydney Taylor, Snazzy Knack, Lisa Brienne, Julia Gulia, Kathleen Martini, Lauren Tennant, Kelsey Kemp, Emily Day, Betsy. You know what? It's been a while since we've told it. It's been a while since we've told a Lauren Tennant is not related to David Tennant joke. So I just want to say once again, for the record, that Lauren Tennant, not, not related. Not related to David Tennant. Not related. Unless she is, in which case, thank you for respecting his privacy. Um, celebrities need love, too. Kelsey Kemp, Emily Day, Betsy English, Caitlin Reddick, Jen Collins, Tina Barnett, Nicole Rodriguez, Kristen Freckled Fury. Hey, <laughs> 
Liz and Tinkerbell, Terry Welch, Rochelle Lefevre, Amanda Smith, Amy Gustafson, Rachel Townsend, Kelly Mazella, Chantel Salters, Tara Lakino, Viv Pickles, aka Laura, Mary of the Grapefruit, Jenna Bukowski, Ann Gibson, Ruth McCormick, Carol Marlowe, Trish McCrary, Julie DeToy, Jen Lynn, Candamon, Amanda Newton, Elizabeth Young, and Kiki. The, the wise. wise. Stay tuned bitches for a mid-season finale live show announcement sometime soonish we're, we're not in any great rush the show's not back until next year y'all we're not in a hurry to make sure that we get y'all down to the oasis make to get you all to slip on down to the oasis um <laughs> But keep an, keep your an eye peeled, an ear pricked, um, a psychic connection with your baby sister open and flowing to uh, find out about more fun stuff you can do with us. In the meantime, we're going to go back to drinking our bevs and loving you all. See ya. Bye. Bye. Hi, folks. Let me see if I can sum up Midnight Burger in about 25 seconds. So this is how it ends. Eaten by wolves in space. Pardon me, Gloria. Might my husband and I have a word? The radio is talking to me. Really big monster. Zero irony. We're surrounded by cavemen. What the hell is that? Because you're having a cigarette in 415 million BC. Where are we? Space. Can you narrow that down? The bad part? Ava. Yeah, that didn't work at all. At the nexus of all things, there is a diner. Look for Midnight Burger on your favorite podcasting app or just go to weopenat6.com.